Thank you for tuning in to the Sermon of the Week podcast, a work of Scattered Abroad, which is overseen by the East Hill Church of Christ in Pulaski, Tennessee. You can find our website at scatteredabroad.org. In this podcast, we seek to sow the Word of God by spreading the gospel message. Each episode is a lesson that was presented from one of your hosts within this network. We hope that this will benefit your study and your walk with Christ. Good morning. It's good to see each of you here with us this morning. As you see the on the screen, the sermon title for this morning is Crucified with Christ. Galatians 2 verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no, no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Again, Galatians 2, verse 20. That's my wife's favorite verse. She wanted everybody to know that this morning. No, she really didn't. But uh, that is her favorite verse. Three things we want to discuss this morning from this verse. Number one, how can we be crucified with Christ? Number two, how does Christ live in or or through me? Number three, how do I live for Christ who loved me and gave himself for me? What does it mean to be crucified with Christ? I have been crucified with Christ. As Brother Curtis so eloquently stated in his prayer a few moments ago, Christ paid a debt. He paid a debt that he didn't owe. He paid the debt that we owe. That debt, because of sin, is that we deserve death. And we all face death. We face physical death, and we also face spiritual death when we sin. And that sin separates us from God, Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. The wages of sin is death, Romans 6, 23, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Well, Jesus paid that debt. He died on a cross for you and for me. That's the gospel. That's the good news. Because without him doing that, without him going to that cross, then we'd have to pay the debt. And not only would we pay it physically, but we'd pay it spiritually forevermore. Spiritual death. The second death, which is to be cast into the lake of fire and brimstone and hell. Now, many people will still pay that. Many people will still suffer that one day. Why? Not because there hasn't been a way made available. There has. That way was made available through Jesus Christ. John 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father but by me. So Jesus has prepared a way. He has gone to heaven and prepared mansions for us or rooms for us, dwelling places in heaven, but we have to take him up on it. We have to obey the gospel and live faithfully for him. And we can go to heaven, but sadly there are many who will not because they won't accept Christ. They won't obey his gospel. They won't live faithfully to him. 
Well, when we're crucified with Christ, we're taking that leap. We're taking that step. We're putting on Christ, and we are deciding, as we sometimes sing, I have decided to follow Jesus. When we put on Christ in baptism, as we'll notice in a moment, that's what we're doing. We're crucifying ourselves with Christ, as Paul speaks here in Galatians 2, verse 20. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we want to read this now. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 10. Our slide has frozen. If we could, if we could advance that next slide. Thank you. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 10... We're going to notice that an essential component to the good news that we preach today, the essential, the essential component of the gospel is the fact that Jesus did what? That he died, that he was buried, and that he rose again. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 10. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel, the good news which I preach to you, which also you received, and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which, which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. Incidentally, it is possible, and, and many do believe in vain. For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And that, uh, and that he was seen by Cephas, or Peter, then by the twelve. After that he was seen by over five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. They've passed away at this time. After that he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then last of all he was seen by me also, that is Paul, as by one born out of due time, for I am the least of the apostles, who am not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Same kind of thing that he mentions in Galatians 2, verse 20. So the essential component of the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ, that good news. But the question remains, how are we crucified with Christ? Romans 6, verses 1 through 7, and Colossians 2, verses 11 through 14. We'll notice in just a moment if you want to turn there. But in 2 Thessalonians 1, verse 8, we find out that we must obey the gospel. We have to obey the gospel. If we want hope of heaven, we have to obey the gospel because Jesus will return in flaming fire taking vengeance on those who do not obey the gospel. Sadly, in Romans 10, verse 16, Paul laments the fact that he says they have not all obeyed the gospel. It's been preached to them, Romans chapter 10. In fact, you have to have a preacher. You have to have somebody spread the word 
gospel. And it has been preached, but many people refuse to obey it. Well, how do we obey the gospel? Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, and as you get the mental picture that Paul has for you in this passage, look at the picture on the screen. I love this picture. It shows us how we can be crucified with Christ. And that's what Paul's talking about here in Romans chapter 6. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He's talking to Christians who have access to God's grace. He says, can you just keep on living in sin since you've got grace? The answer is no. He says in verse 2, certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Well, how did you die to sin, Christians? He's about to tell them. He's about to remind them. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be the slaves, the servants of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. So how do you die from sin? Well, Paul says here, you're baptized into Christ, into his death. And so just as Christ died on the cross, we put our sinful man of sin to death in this symbolic cross, if you will, and then we're buried in the water of, of baptism, and then we, like Christ, are raised to walk in newness of life. Colossians chapter 2, verses 11 through 14, very similar uh, language here that Paul writes. Colossians 2, verses 11 through 14, in him, that is in Christ, you are also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. Now, what is the significance of circumcision? Well, it set God's special people apart in the Old Testament, the, the Jews. Well, now we, we're talking about spiritual circumcision being set apart. Well, he goes on and describes how we can be set apart, how we can be holy, how we can be Christians. And he says, the circumcision that's made without hands, it's not a physical one, it's a spiritual one, it's made without hands, by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. And then he says, buried with him in baptism, in which you are also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And so God does a work on us, doesn't he? He does an operation on us when we submit to his will in baptism. He saves us. And you being dead in your trespasses, being dead in sin, in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive. So you put the old man of sin to death, you put your sins to death, and now you're made alive. When? This says in baptism. And so... He's made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements or ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. A couple of things there. What did he nail to his cross? Well, he, number one, nailed that old law to his cross. 
And in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, that old law is described as the ministration or the, uh, the law of death. It condemned. And if there was only an old law and there was never a new law, then that would be it. Death sentence. But because Christ came with a better covenant, which Hebrews talks about, we can have a sentence of life. We can have hope of life. So he nailed that old law to his cross, and he also nails our sins to his cross. When? This says in baptism. Romans chapter 6 says in baptism. Galatians chapter 2 says we're crucified with Christ. Romans 6 and Colossians 2, how do we crucify ourselves, our sinful selves, with Christ? In baptism. Galatians 3 verse 27 says, For as many of us as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. The Greek there is the idea of clothing oneself with Christ. And so how do you clothe oneself with Christ? How do you become a Christian, a Christian, if you will? You're baptized into Christ. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. How does Christ live in me? How does Christ live through me, if you will? We know that Jesus is alive and well today. Hebrews 1 verse 3 teaches that he's at the right hand of the throne of God in heaven. We know he spent some time in the Hadean realm and uh, for three days, and then he rose again, and he spent some time teaching for a little while longer, and then he ascended into heaven, and now he's at the right hand of the throne of God. He's alive and well. Sometimes we sing blue skies and rainbows and sunbeams of heaven, right, or what I can see because the Lord is living in me. Jesus Christ is alive and well today. He makes his home in my heart. Nevermore will I be all alone since he promised me that we would never part. Well, Jesus is alive and well in heaven, but also Jesus is alive and well through his followers because we are to be walking examples of Christ. Christian, Christian, we are to be walking examples of Christ. And we've got a whole host of verses here to prove that, to show that we are supposed to be living for him and he's living on, if you will, through us. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Where is it? It says that we are become a new creation. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Old things, sinful things, crucified with Christ, and now have become new, a new creation in Christ. Ephesians 2, verse 10, For we are his workmanship, that work that he is doing in us when we obey the gospel and then we live for him, that work that he's doing in us, he's, we're his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see, living the faithful Christian life is a walk, isn't it? It's a walk. It's an action. First John 2 verse 6 says, He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. It says something about our lifestyle, doesn't it? 
Are you saved? Are you walking with him? If you claim to be saved, but you're not walking with him, then you're not saved. 1 John 1 verse 7 says, If we walk in his light, as he is in the light, not darkness, not sin, the light. If we walk in his light, as he is in the light, then we have fellowship one with another. We have fellowship with God, between God and, and us, and we have fellowship with one another, Christians as well. If we walk in His light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and Christ's blood cleanses us from all sin. We keep that faith. His blood will cleanse us. We're, gonna, we're not perfect in a sinless sense. We can be perfect in a complete sense in Christ, but we're still going to mess up, and, and when we do, we repent of it and pray that God will forgive us again, and His blood will cleanse us from those sins. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, tells us that we must go through a, this ongoing spiritual transformation. I beseech you, or I beg you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Well, we sacrifice ourselves in baptism, if you will. We put ourselves to death, but then we've got to be a living sacrifice. It's an ongoing commitment to Christ. And so we, we present ourselves this living sacrifice, holy acceptable to God, which is our reasonable service. God's not going to ask us to do anything that we're incapable of doing. It's our reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18 says that we're being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Philippians 2, verses 5 through 8, says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. He was. Bonds, uh, but, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Jesus Christ humbled himself and he became obedient to the Father in his will, humbling himself and coming and dying on the cross. And because of that, because of that sacrifice and that deep humility of our Savior, we can be saved. We are to have the same humility that Christ had we are to put on that humility. We are to imitate Christ. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. Romans 8, 29 says that we are to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. We're to be like Christ. We're to be Christians. Ephesians 5, verses 1 and 2 says, therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. Well, Christ lives on in us. Christ is alive and well today. But finally, the life which I now live in the flesh 
I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. How do we live for Christ? How do we live our lives in appreciation for that sacrifice? Answer, we've already discussed it. By letting Christ live on in the way that we live. Following in his footsteps. Following his perfect example as Christians. We do that by growing as Christians. 1 Peter 2 verse 2 says, As newborn babes, when, when you become a Christian, when you obey the gospel, as a baby in Christ, what do you do? You desire the sincere milk of the word so you can grow thereby. We all need to give diligence to add to our faith, virtue, and to our virtue, knowledge, and to our knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. 2 Peter 1, verses 5 through 7. Verses 8 through 10 tells us what kind of Christians we will be if we do that. For if these things are, are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. Well, if he's warning that there's a possibility to stumble, what does that mean? That means we've got to make sure that we are making our calling and election sure, don't we? Because it is possible to fall from grace. Ephesians 4, verses 21 through 24 says, and Indeed, you have heard him and have been taught by him as truth in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God true righteousness, in true righteousness and holiness. That's exactly what we've been talking about, isn't it? Put off the old man. When? Well, first you do it in submitting to baptism for the remission of sins. And then it's a continual transformation, continual growth process, making sure that we maintain this new man rather than the old man, sin. We need to put away the works of the flesh, which are clearly listed. They're evident. Galatians 5, verses 19 through 21, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and such like. We're, we're to put those things away. We need to put on the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such. There's no law. Those are good things. Those are things that ought to characterize the life of a Christian, virtues that we are to put on. Are we going to gain these things overnight, by the way? No. It's a growth process. It takes time. It takes diligence, as Peter said, adding the things that he talked about, give diligence to do those. 
So it takes growth, it takes diligence, it takes study of God's Word. It takes fellowship with other Christians who can exhort one another and build one another up in the faith and provoke one another to love and good works, Hebrews 10, 24, which goes right along with not forsaking the assembling of the saints, verse 25. So it takes all these things to build one another up as Christians to grow so that we can do our absolute best to attain to what God wants us to be. We're never going to be perfect. And even if we were to gain all these things perfectly, we still wouldn't deserve salvation because it's not of works of righteousness lest we should boast. It's, it's due to God's grace, but we have to accept His grace. And as we've seen today, the way we accept His grace is by doing what he said to obtain it, obey his gospel. We obey his gospel by hearing God's word. Romans chapter 10, which we talked about earlier. In verse 16, again, Paul says, sadly, they've not all obeyed the gospel. But verse 17 says, faith comes by hearing the word of God. So you've got to hear the gospel. You've got to read it for yourself. You've got to hear it preached. You've got to hear the gospel. That will produce faith, belief in Christ and what he did for you. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, Mark 16, 16. You've got to repent of your sins. In times of this ignorance, God winked at or overlooked, but now he commands all men everywhere to repent. Luke 13, 3 says, I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you shall all likewise perish. So we have to repent. We have to repent and be baptized, Acts 2.38. We have to confess Christ, Matthew 10, 32 and 33, Romans 10, 9 and 10. And then we put on Christ in baptism, as we saw in Romans chapter 6, Colossians chapter 2, Galatians 3.27, Mark 16.16, Acts 2.38, and quite a few other passages as well. We do that today. We put on Christ in baptism. We put off the old man of sin and put on the new man so that you can be a new creation in Christ so that God can do this work, this operation, if you will, Colossians chapter 2. Will you do that today? You have opportunity to do that if you've never done it. Look at the picture. Get the mental picture. See this picture. See what Paul is saying here. Put yourself to death be buried in the water, and rise up to walk in newness of life. You can do that today if you've never done that. If you're a Christian who needs to come for another reason, perhaps you need encouragement, perhaps you've got public sin in your life that you'd like to repent of publicly, maybe it's brought reproach on the church, you have opportunity right now to come forward if you need to, as together we stand and sing. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Scattered Abroad Network. If you would like to email us, you can do so at thescatteredabroadnetwork at gmail.com. That's thescatteredabroadnetwork at gmail.com. Remember, you can check the show notes below for all of our social media platform links. Also, don't forget that you can find us on all major podcast platforms, and please leave us a rating or review. We hope and pray that this has helped you grow closer to Christ, even though we are scattered abroad. May God bless you.